first things first, I'm the realest. realest. Drop this and let the whole world feel it. Let them feel it. And I'm still in the murder business. I can hold you down like I'm giving lessons in physics. Right, right. Welcome to What She Said on 105.9 The Region. I'm your host, Candace Sampson. We are fast approaching the unofficial end of summer with the return to school and routine top of mind for everyone right now, no matter what the return may look like. With that in mind, today's show has interviews that tackle what may be on our minds on everything from health to education to our mental and physical health, plus a little entertainment and some fashion goals. We start with Terry Lowe, who wants us to chase a feeling rather than a number on the scale. A mom, wife, businesswoman, and avid traveler, Terry has made a complete change with her outlook on wellness and structured her life to have a positive outlook and can-do attitude. Since starting her wellness journey with Weight Watchers, Terry has committed to helping others find the wellness habits that work for them. Lindsay Seeley joins me for the first of five conversations about Gen Z women and girls. Author of Growing Strong Girls and Rooted, Resilient, and Ready, Lindsay's latest book, Made for More, is the inspiration young women need now to consider, then create, what more can mean to them while learning to let go of what they no longer need. Today, we look at why Gen Z is so different than prior generations. And Brody joins me for entertainment, and the big release this week is 3,000 Years of Longing, which is a fantastical story about a genie in a bottle starring Tilda Swinton and Idris Elba. Javier Bardem brings the performance of his life to The Good Boss, and on Netflix, Arden Cho deals with racism and sexism as she climbs the corporate ladder in the new series Partner Track, plus lots more over on WhatSheSaidTalk.com. Education looks and feels different for parents and students after more than two years in a pandemic, and it has many exploring options that work for them. Stephanie Sewell is an independent education consultant who helps families navigate the various options available. She joins me today to discuss. Period pain is not normal. Period. Lux Perry recently created a buzz at the Calgary Stampede with a period simulator that men could try. CEO and co-founder of Some Days, the first period pain relief company to design products using the latest research on chronic pain, Lux joins me to share some of the reactions she received. Finally, Shiva Lindsay from Fredericton, New Brunswick, is quickly making a name for herself in the fashion world. Shiva recently debuted her new collection, Lost in a Daydream, at Fashion Art Toronto, and she joins me to share what's next. It's another full week at What She Said with interviews that empower, educate, and entertain. So let's jump in right now on 105.9 The Region. Sure, sure, we all celebrate the new year in January, but we all know the real changes happen just after Labor Day when the kids go back to school and routine comes knocking. Whether you're dreading it or looking forward to it, Terry Lowe has got you covered. 
A mom, wife, businesswoman, and avid traveler, Terry has made a complete change with her outlook on wellness and structured her life to have a positive outlook and can-do attitude. As a Weight Watchers coach, Terry helps others find the wellness habits that work for them. She joins me now to discuss the real New Year transition coming our way fast and furious. Welcome to the show, Terry. Hello. Thank you. So happy to be here. So it's summer. I mean, even the most disciplined among us tend to let things slide a bit. Has this been your experience this summer? It has. There's been travel. There's been barbecues. There's been parties, gatherings, especially after the last two years. I think we're all like in overload summer taking it all in. So I'm a fairly structured person, but I will tell you this summer, I have just kind of put it to the wayside. And I was just thinking to myself, I'm, I'm counting down the days till September because I miss the structure and I miss the routine and uh, I really can't wait to get back to it. I too, honestly, I'm looking to forward to a little bit of return of the routine. I want to know how you prepare for that though. Do you prepare ahead of time or do you have yeah. this so ingrained in your being now that you're, you're ready to just sort of jump in come the day after Labor Day? Yeah. So I, I kind of always start before. So I've already started my prep. So, you know, through the summer, I allow myself some flexibility and that's where my outlook has changed. And that's where Weight Watchers has helped me. So I follow the program more loosely through the summer. I allow myself to enjoy the foods I love maybe a little bit more. I slow down my body movement, but then come the fall, I have this natural way to go back. And I have the structure program that I have to follow. And I usually start right about now. So about two weeks ago, found myself back at the gym versus I like, you know, I keep moving in the summer and walks. I do walk, but I find myself back at the gym. I started filling my freezer with those healthier, leaner proteins. I've started meal prepping and I don't go into full swing until the kids are back at school. But I started to prepare mentally and the Weight Watchers app is absolutely fabulous for that. So I've started tracking again. Versus in the summer, I kind of let that go a little bit. So I'm slowly easing my way back to routine. Let's talk about the joy in the journey. Because you talk about that. And I think a lot of people might look to, you know, at the return to routine as something to dread. And you talk about right. embracing the joy in the journey. Can you expand on that a little bit? I think, you know, when I was younger and when I... I'm going to call it dieted, which was, you know, I think I'm going to consider it a bad word now. I just want to feel good. And I know that when I am on routine, when I'm eating well, when I'm moving regularly, I feel genuinely better. And so although I enjoy that downtime with little structure, I miss feeling good in my own skin, if that makes sense. So that structure and eating well and moving your body and being able to feel good is part of that journey. That doesn't mean you can't go on vacation for a week or two and enjoy the foods you love, maybe in abundance, maybe a little extra wine, a little extra drink, but just to bring yourself back to what makes you feel good. And, you know, it's not about not having the foods you love. It's about feeling good inside your body. And sometimes that means enjoying those foods. And sometimes it means just taking it as it comes. And then it's being more structured. And so that's the journey. It's not about always being on and never giving yourself any leeway. It's just about 
enjoying that time, but also being conscious of your movement and what you're feeding yourself. I really love this because it's a, it's sort of an, I've been an evolution over the years. Uh, you know, I remember my grandmother uh, used to do Weight Watchers yeah. and she it said it was the only thing that ever worked for her. Uh, but back then it was very much about diet culture. This is really about wellness. Nice. And I like that there's yes. no, you're not really denying yourself anything. Is that right? It is. So, you know, what's wonderful about the program is you get to eat foods that you love and it teaches you moderation. And that about two years ago was my focus is how, how do I get to a place where I get to enjoy a little bit of everything? I don't feel deprived. And this teaches you like, how much can I have? Like, what does, you know, an average portion mean? It teaches you that, you know, I remember kind of way back, I've tried every diet under the sun. And so let's take keto as an example. I did keto for a long time, but you simply could not eat foods. And over time, I just felt deprived and it, you know, it just crashes. And then you go in abundance mode versus Weight Watchers, you get to enjoy everything in little amounts. And so it teaches you moderation. It teaches you to eat in a more well-rounded manner. And it encourages movement. It encourages you to move your body, to drink water, to do all the things. So you don't feel deprived. So it's the long, it's the way to go long-term, at least for me. That's what it's been for me. It sounds to me like this is really much more of a holistic approach rather than just centered in and around food. This is about movement and about mindset as well. Are those the things that help you out uh, through the app and through working with coaches? It does because the way the program works is if you move your body, um, you get additional points. If you eat your veggies, you get additional points. If you do all the things that you drink enough water, you get additional points. So you do all the things that are really for your well-being, that are better for your body and for your health, and it allows you more flexibility. So it instead of depriving you, it encourages you to do all the right things. And so it teaches you all the right habits. Yeah. I mean, I'm sitting here, I'm thinking, I don't really need to lose weight per se, but I definitely need to focus more on my health. And this really sounds... Mm -hmm. Like that's what you're focusing on is the health aspect of it rather than just that physical, uh, I guess, look people uh, talk about a lot. Yeah. Funny yeah. because I have a family member who saw me doing the program and uh, this person is extremely healthy, very active. And uh, he said, I'm, I'm going to do it too. Just to be more self-aware about what was going in, how much he was putting out. And he's been on it ever since, just trapping to understand, to be more mindful of overall health. And so that's that's what it's been for me. And it's about a lifestyle now for me. So I used to chase a number on a scale. Those days are done. I chase a feeling. And when I'm eating right, when I'm following the Weight Watchers program, I feel at my best. Uh, naturally with that, there's weight loss oftentimes. But it's not necessarily what I'm chasing. I'm chasing that I have energy. I feel good. I want to move. And that's what Weight Watchers does. I love this. Chasing a feeling. I think everybody needs to be doing that now. And I know lots of people are thinking about the new year, the real new year coming up in a couple of weeks. Yes. And uh, so I want to help them encourage and chase that feeling as well. So where can they keep up with you and all that you're doing to help people? Um, I'm on all socials pretty much. Uh, Instagram at the Terry Lowe um, on both TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Pinterest, all of the socials. 
Um, but I am very much looking forward to September. Not that I want to push my kids out, but I am ready for a repeat. All right, amazing. Me too. I, th- I think I might jump in. This is this is fantastic. Thank you, Terry, uh, for joining me today. Uh, great, great conversation. Thank you. Thanks so much. More with Candace Sampson and what she said coming up on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 105.9 The Region. of two Gen Z ladies, I am particularly interested in speaking with my next guest. Lindsay Seeley is a dedicated educator and consultant, a passionate keynote speaker, and the author of the award-winning books Growing Strong Girls and Rooted, Resilient, and Ready. Her latest book, Made for More, is the inspiration young women need now to consider then create what more can mean to them while learning to let go of what they lo- no longer need. Lindsay joins me now for the first of five conversations about Gen Z women and girls. Welcome to what she said, Lindsay. I'm so excited Thank to so get into this conversation. Me. And I think a lot of listeners, either they'll be Gen Z or they will have Gen Z daughters or even sons, uh, will be interested in this conversation. So let's talk about Gen Z. What makes them different from previous generations? Well, I think looking at Gen Z, we could say they have so many advantages, right? They have more choices, more chances and opportunities and possibilities. There's just so much more for them. But I think at the same time, they have so much less than previous generations. They have less time, they have less energy and motivation. And because of the digital world that they're they're in, they have much less like real connections, meaningful connections and community. So I think it's I think it's tough. I think it's a very tough generation. It's interesting that you say that because, you know, I was having a conversation with my daughter the other day and I had to bite my tongue because she was telling me how hard it was to be Gen Z. And I I fell into that typical speech that parents give and say, it's always been hard. It's always been tough. I had my hurdles. And then I thought, eh, actually, I think they do have it a little bit tougher. Would you agree with that? totally agree. And don't worry, I fall into the comparison trap all the time, but it's just a different world. And I think that's something that we need to consider. What world do they live in? Not what world did we live in, but what are they up against? And I think I always bring everything back to digital, um, digital dependency. So because that's their life, like their phones are literally in their hands and they are attached 24 seven, there's no break. So they are constantly inundated with, let's say, first of all, information. So what's going on in the world? We know there's a war and a pandemic and a recession and political unrest. And what's going on in their world? Well, now they're seeing images, like thousands of images a day that I think are adding to the pressure of who they should be and this idea that they have to be everything all of the time. So everything in their life seems to be almost overwhelming, If whether it comes to choice, you know, that they have too many or, you know, uh, news that they're getting too much or social media that they're getting everything thrown at them. So how do we help them navigate through that? Like, is there a starting point to begin this conversation with our daughters? 
Yeah, 100%. And I think it's going to sound so easy and almost like we're doing nothing. But the best tool I've ever learned with my clients and what I offer to parents is this power of presence. And we have to check ourselves. Like, how present are we in a conversation with our daughters? Um, Can we, like, really immerse ourselves and be all in in a moment and a feeling and an experience? If we can be present, if we can both agree, let's say, to put down our phones and to try to, like, put down the worries and our our own stresses, stressors and things that are on our minds and plates, then I think we can really show up and be there for her. And I think she'll feel that, right? And I think from that presence, then we bring out the next tool, which is really choosing curiosity over criticism. Can we just ask questions and get the conversation going to allow her to share what's on her mind and to allow her to unburden, which is really helpful for decreasing her stress and that sense, like you said, of of overwhelm, too much of everything. And I think too that, you know, we had this, you know, as a Gen X parent, you know, we had this uh, path, I think, in mind for our kids that they would go to school, they would go to university, they would get a job, they would have children. And that path seems less, um, uh, I guess, of a way that kids want to go today. Mm -hmm. So how do we adjust our way of thinking to allow them to choose the path as opposed to us pushing them down one, one, you know, avenue? It's so true. I think it's the difference between expecting who she should be and letting her be who she is. And I think maybe if I could speak visually instead of a line and thinking linearly, let's think in circles. So she's the center of the circle. We're on the outside. I call it periphery parenting. And we're really there for her. We're supporting her, but we are empowering her to take her own steps, make her own choices and grow in the way that she needs to grow, including mistakes and failures. But we're not supposed to do it for her. And we shouldn't be imposing this idea and ideal that we had when she was a little girl. I think, you know, when, when Jed Zed obviously was first, you know, coming, you know, growing up and, and evolving, the, the pandemic wasn't a thing. So just quickly, I'm just curious, how much of an effect do you think the pandemic has had on Gen Z? I think huge. And I think so huge, we were just slowly starting to realize it. I think we're going to be realizing it for the next decade. But the thing that I noticed the most is a massive increase in mental health concerns, stress, anxiety, depression, and beyond. And I think that they, it's like they're absorbing everything going on in the world and feeling like maybe they need to do more or do everything to solve it. And of course they have their phones. So they're seeing so much more on their phones. And I think that they're absolutely overwhelmed. And at the same time, really losing their way in terms of those meaningful connections and community. Online is like a way of connecting and communicating and being in community. But I do not think you can replace this in-person experience where you can feel another, be supported. You can really speak from your heart and sense sense someone there really um, there for you and engaged and really getting you. I, I am looking forward to continuing this conversation with you. I think that at this point in time, we really do need to rally behind our girls as rights are being stripped around the world, uh, you know, the overwhelm they're feeling. So I'm, I'm eager to continue this conversation. In the meantime, though, until we meet again, where can people find you, Lindsay? The best place would be my website at lindsayseely.com. And you can also follow me on Instagram at Bold new girls. Amazing. Lindsay, thank you so much for joining me. 
Thanks, Camden. first Saturday night at the movies is Anne Brody. And this week I could spend the entire time I have with you, Anne, on 3,000 years of longing. Can we start with that, please? Yes. Well, it's a fable based on uh, Persian, a modern fable based on Persian tales and mythology with Tilda Swinton, our favorite, and Idris Elba, also a favorite. So she plays Althea. She's a prim uh, narratologist. That is, she studies t- storytelling. She travels the world. Anyway, she's off to Istanbul to talk at a story conference. And um, she has visions of people that no one else can see, uh, people from the ancient past. So she speaks to her hosts about that. And they say, oh, it's probably a, a jinn, which is a genie. So one day she's shopping in the market. She buys a bottle, takes it home, scrubs it with her electric toothbrush to clean it. Poof, out comes Idris Elba, three times the size of a human. So they basically settle in for, there's a lot of talk in this film. They discuss that the um, Muslim and Quran, uh, that, and that the fact that these jinns are capable of influencing people and that they're very mischievous. So... He demands that she makes three wishes or he'll be trapped in the bottle. He's already been trapped for thousands of years, 3,000. So, but she refuses because she knows stories and she knows when you make wishes, they don't turn out. It's usually a bad outcome. So it's mostly him telling her these wonderful stories of Arabian Nights, just beautiful to look at. And she is swept along and... I, I can't tell you the rest. She resists making three wishes, but you just have to see it. And the special effects, the look of the thing is stunning. But my favorite special effect is the chemistry between these two. I was just going to say that the chemistry is so hot between them. It practically jumps out of the trailer at you. I cannot wait to see this movie. All right, Anne, let's move on. I don't want to spend too long. It's in the theaters, right? Yes, it is. The Good Boss stars Javier Bardem as a factory owner in Spain. And to all intents and purposes, he's a, a great man, a, a leader, beloved by his employees. You know, when he fires people, he's so sweet to them that they hug him. <laughs> he takes people, his employees out for birthday dinners. He just lays it on really thick. But it in his heart, he's a bit of a monster. Um, he takes advantage of people through this sweet talk. He's he and it's such an extraordinary experience because he balances these two people in one that he plays. We're in the palm of his hand and he keeps crossing these um, lines of racism and sexism. It's just fascinating because you're so taken in by him. Then you realize how horrible he is. So it's it's a miraculous performance, if you ask me. Um, and the film has won in Spain where it's already open. It's won 30 awards. 
So the good boss is definitely a go-to. And I have to say, Javier Bardem and movies with him previously, he comes across as sort of this sex symbol. I don't know what it is about him, but he's very gorgeous and and just the way he comes across and in this movie he totally he's totally different he's kind of geeky I didn't even recognize him really at first um so it looks fascinating all right what else do you have for us Anne now partner track stars Arden Cho she's um she plays a lawyer in this hotshot law office in Manhattan they're really the monstrous people um and they're always trying to undercut all these partner wannabes are um, obstructing one another, telling fibs, stealing cases. It's just awful. And she's the only woman. And she comes under such scrutiny for her uh, gender. She's Asian for her race, for her ideas, which are constantly being stolen away. Um, and of course, she it's her 24-7 passion she has no one to love. There's no romance in her life. And um, a couple of guys come into the picture. One turns out to be using her for information. The other one might work out. But it's a great, great look at the way women are treated in the office, in corporate offices today, in 2022. It, it, it's really an eye opener. I mean, we, I think we all know this is still going on. I mean, look at what just happened to Lisa Laflemme. Uh, so this this is this is timely, of course, and it's just sort of the more things change, the more they stay the same. It appears. Uh, all right, anything else we need to keep our eyes open for? Yes, indeed. Adieu Godard is a wonderful Indian movie, all black and white, like like Godard's films, <laughs> and it's about these men in the village. Their wives are all depressed. There's nothing to do, so they all the men gather in one of the huts and they watch porn all day long. Um, by mistake, he brings back one day a Godard video of Breathless, his iconic classic, and uh, they watch it. And the the men get furious. And they start beating him because it's so not what they wanted. They say 30 minutes in and all the clothes are on. So, but he's fascinated. He loves it. And he decides he's going to have a Godard film festival in the village. And he comes up against all kinds of obstacles. Uh, but he holds this festival. And once again, the outcome is so bizarre, so unexpected that I have to encourage people to go and see it just to experience <laughs> what people are capable of. <laughs> all right. It's absolutely wonderful. Okay. So you have all of these plus more as always on what she said, talk.com and you'll be back next week with more, but 3000 years of longing. That is the one this week we want to see. All right. Thanks, Anne. Thank you. More with Candace Sampson and What She Said coming up on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 105.9 The Region. I'm feeling electric tonight Cruising down the coast going about 99 Got my bad baby by my heavenly side The pandemic has changed our perspective on a lot of things in life, not least of which is education. 
Some kids missed the structure of school while others thrived in the online setting. Others looked for even more non-traditional ways of learning. The choices can be overwhelming, which is where my next guest comes in. Stephanie Sewell is an independent education consultant that works with families who are seeking guidance. Stephanie believes that each young person deserves and is capable of co-creating an educational path that works for them, and she's joining me today to discuss. Welcome back to the show, Stephanie. Thank you, Candace. I'm delighted to be here. It's always so good to have you on the show. So as we're heading into the new year, what are you hearing from your clients as that deadline for school is approaching? Kids have been through a lot in the last few years, and we are talking about it broadly now. There's a lot more mental health struggles that we're seeing with our kids. And this is showing up more than ever in back to school, feeling like a nervous time, a fearful time, an anxious time. Parents are struggling to figure out how it's going to work for their child or their teen this year. Yeah, I think I feel as kids, though, sort of very naturally know what is going to work for them in terms of their learning. But it's the parents that struggle with the expectations and all the things that we have, all the hangups we have that we go, but that's the way it's always been done. So how do you talk to parents about letting go of those things? Yeah, one of the things I really like to do with parents is take some time to really kind of capture the moment, to think, What's going on with your child right now? You know, when you look at them and you spend a day with them, are you feeling them relaxed, happy, joyful? Are they spending time outside because it's summer and perhaps they're riding their bike more, swimming, playing with their friends more? Notice how that feeling is. How, How is your child? Think back to how they were during the school year and just be kind of aware of those two potentially different versions of your child. And now as you start looking into this school year, notice, oh, you know, do I find that it's really good for my child to actually have more free time? Well, maybe you want to look at taking more mental health days so that they're not at school five days a week, every week. If you notice that it's really important for your child to, you know, have some time um, to play in the morning before they head out to an activity. Is it possible to elongate their morning time between waking up and going to school, either by arriving late one day a week or by perhaps driving them instead of the school bus? Or, you know, what is what are some of the options there? With a teen, I think that during the summertime, we often see them starting to step into their adulting, as my daughter terms it. Um, and that adulting is often choosing, am I going to work a summer job? oh, when I'm doing this job, I have complete responsibility and I get to make decisions and I'm valued for the work that I'm doing. And stepping from that place back into school where we're generally told what to do all the time and given homework assignments and all of that, that can be a bit jarring as well. So talking with your teen about what are some of the choices that you can create for yourself within a school setting? It's not always obvious but we can often create those choices and take some more autonomy. Let's talk about the younger kids for a second, because I feel you know, that we have increasingly shut them in. Uh, you know, the pandemic locked them in the house, uh, school time, we're seeing you know, less and less time outdoors. How crucial is it that that outside time uh, is, is given the appropriate attention? Because doesn't it help with their learning 
if they're outside more? Absolutely. Being outside can teach any of us, kids and adults and teens alike, so much. And we're seeing children spend less and less time outdoors. In part, that's out of a nervousness of them being outdoors by themselves in this day and age. So we want to be with them and then it's not always possible to do it as often. But as much as you can do as a parent to allow your child opportunities to be outdoors, it will pay off in spades. Um, you know, things like being outdoors, being at a tree and deciding whether or not to climb it, how high can you climb? Those are things that teach kids so much about themselves. It teaches them about taking risk and being aware and staying focused and all of those kinds of things. Um, the other thing that often happens outdoors is free unstructured, undirected play. And that's really important for kids. If you're not able to create too, too much outdoor time for that, another thing to look at doing is creating more indoor time for that. Is it possible for your child just to have more unstructured playtime within the home where they're not on a screen or they're not being told what to do? They're just getting to move through that moment of boredom and finding something else. Psychologist and um, researcher Peter Gray talks a lot about this in his research. All right. Older kids. I would really like to discuss something with you because I know you've talked about this before and I think people will might have their minds blown by this. I don't know. I know I certainly did. Uh, gap years. I mean, they're very popular for kids when they finish high school, typically between high school and their post-secondary. You, however have said in the past that you encourage kids to take a gap year at any time. So can you expand on this a little bit? To me, a gap year is a year of taking a breath, getting off whatever your version of the hamster wheel is. And as I said earlier, getting bored, getting a bit stuck, trying new things, pushing through, being scared, moving through, getting to figure out who you are and what makes you tick. It's great to do that after high school or after university before entering into a work, a work um, career. But what if we look at doing it when kids are younger? You know, think about somebody who's 12 years old. The difference between an 11-year-old and a 13-year-old is huge. We tend to look at 11-year-olds and see children and 13-year-olds, and we're already seeing teenagers who are fast becoming adults. What if during that year, a child had time to just be, to explore, to apprentice somewhere, to be mentored by somebody if they wanted to be, to take some time to work on some projects and see who they are? It's kind of a mind-blowing concept to think about creating that space. And it is possible. It's not common, but it is possible. And particularly if you have a child who's not for whom school is not a nourishing experience, looking and taking some time out can be very, very wise. It may mean that they do a little bit of schoolwork while they're at home in order to re-enter school at the same grade as their, their peers. Maybe not, depending on their age. They often can enter and just catch up from anything that they missed during that year that they were gapping. So it is definitely an unusual but wonderful option to consider if particularly if you have a child who can really sense that you need to shake things up a little bit. 
Yeah, it's been, I mean, to say that kids have been through a lot the last couple of years is an understatement. Uh, they certainly have. But also, I think it's a good time to look on our education system and, you know, expand our horizons a little bit and understand that there's not just one track and that there are multiple tracks. Uh, in conversations with you in the past, we've discussed how, you know, you can go to post-secondary without completing your high school, which I think a lot of parents don't necessarily know. Absolutely. And as soon as you step into the homeschooling world, you know, Facebook groups are amazing ways of gathering information. You'll learn that all kinds of people homeschool without getting any formal credits or anything like that. And they do still go to universities. Universities are understanding that um, students who come to them from that kind of background bring a whole other set of qualities. And the universities are really excited by having these kids with them right now. So Absolutely. There's lots of options. You're not tied to school. So this is what you help parents do then is find those different avenues that work for their kids and customize education for them. So I want people to be able to connect with you and find out more because you always have a lot of great uh, ideas and solutions for parents and kids uh, who have a say in their education. So um, where can people connect with you, Stephanie? Yeah, it's great to connect with me through Facebook or LinkedIn at Stephanie Sewell Education. And I'm also always available by email at stephaniejsewell at gmail.com. All right. Thank you so much for joining me today. It was a pleasure. Kiss me before you go. Pain is not normal, period. Around 80% of women will experience period pain at some stage in their lifetime, and most women experience some discomfort during menstruation, especially on the first day. But in 5 to 10% of women, the pain is severe enough to disrupt their life. Thankfully, there is relief available. Lux Perry is the CEO and co-founder of Some Days, the first period pain relief company to design products using the latest research on chronic pain. They join me now to discuss. Welcome to What She Said, Lux. Hi, thanks so much for having me. What prompted you, I'm going to assume it was perhaps your own journey, but what prompted you to start Some Days? Uh, I've been struggling with period pain my entire life. It essentially dictated my career, my education where I lived, um, who I hung out with, it, the activities I was able to do. And so eventually I ended up working in brand development for a sports recovery company. And then I started to see the parallels between the way that they were treating uh, muscles and the way that we could treat period pain. And so I sort of went off on my own and started uh, to merge those two things together. And then also um, obviously research into chronic pain and how having period pain your entire life actually uh, creates this cycle where you experience more and more pain just because your body is anticipating it. So why do you, you say the narrative has to change around how we discuss period pain. Can you expand on that a little bit for me? Yeah. So the narrative is that period pain is normal, um, that we keep it to ourselves so that we're quiet about it. We only ever maybe share it with our doctor if it's extreme, um, and that we're expected to go about our lives as if it's not happening. And I think that that's really what needs to change is that people need to understand, A, that period pain is not normal. Any period pain that interrupts your life or, dis or 
makes it unable for you to go about your regular activities is not normal. There's an underlying cause. And two, that we, we need to be able to have an open conversation and we need people to believe us and we need people to see it as a valid reason to miss school or work or whatever it is. And we need to be supported in that. So that, I mean, I get this. I mean, my daughters suffer terribly every month. And so I get that absence from school and absence from work. But how do we bring this conversation then into the mainstream so that we start to get the the, the attitude we need from employers and, and education uh, educational institutions? So I think that the period pain simulator is really like an excellent way to do that. So obviously we've been doing these activations where we take a machine and we connect people who don't have periods up to it so that they can feel a little bit of what we feel for multiple days every single month for years on years and years. On average, a person with a period will spend 10 years of their life actively bleeding. And so that's a lot of time of missed productivity, missed time with our loved ones. And so by using the simulator and bringing people into the conversation who would normally not engage because it's funny, um, essentially, it's a little bit of a challenge. It's interactive. It really breaks down this barrier where a lot of the men that we interact with now, we would never have been able to have those conversations. And so it sort of merges like a little bit of entertainment with education, which is, makes it a lot easier for people to like um, absorb and sort of like disarm them in a way that they're usually like, this is not my problem. I don't want to hear about it. And I don't know how to talk about it. You had the period pain simulator at the Calgary of Stampede of all places. I can't think of a more hilarious place for this to be. Tell me what some of the response was like from the men who who honestly, you know, maybe didn't have any idea what what their their I guess, you know, sisters, wives, uh, people in their life were going through with this every month. Mm -hmm. So their reactions um mostly the same. Mostly that they were just like shocked. You see a lot of like, we have lots of videos on our TikTok, but a lot of the men are like looking over at their wives and they're like, what you, this, this is what it is, you know? And they like, they might eye contact with me and they're like, what do you mean? This is a four. It, you're going to go fire. And it's like, oh, we say a five is a standard cramp. That's not even period thing. Um, and so people really, um, they were shocked. They were, uh, in a lot of pain, they were like a lot. Of, it brought a lot of them to their knees, um, crying, laughing hysterically. Laughing is a way to like a lot of people express pain through laughter, and so there was a lot of uncomfortable giggling. <laughs> um, but mostly, <laughs> mostly they were grateful for the opportunity to like engage and have that conversation and really, really understand. That's why a lot of them showed up at the booth. They're like, I want to know, you know, what my partner or my children or these people in my life are going through every month. So it was actually just like so sweet. <laughs> yeah, I think it's wonderful that you're bringing this conversation into the mainstream. And then now we, we don't have a lot of time left because we spent a lot of time talking <laughs> about, you know, what women go through. But I want to really just talk about what how your products help. So how do they help? Yeah, so we essentially use the science of sports medicine. So it all of our products, we offer a full range. We have the largest line of period pain relief products in North America. And they are anti-inflammatory, anti-spasmatic, and they help balance hormones. So they're actually treating period pain at the root cause. And so we have fats, creams, heat pads, topicals, teas, basically anything that you want to use that to, that's easy to integrate into your life. And so instead of having to take a pill every day that you hate, it's something that feels good. It smells nice. It's enjoyable. So we're really trying to reframe 
what pain relief looks like. And all of these products are available online or are you available in stores as well? We are only on our own website. So you can only get them at www.somedays.com. All right. And if people want to catch uh, the videos of, of people trying out the period simulator, where can they do, th do that? So they can find most of those videos are on our TikTok at Get Sundays. So G-E-T Sundays. And same handle for our Instagram as well. All right. Incredible. Lux, you are on to something huge here. And thank you for bringing this conversation into the mainstream. It's very important. Thank you so much for having me. We're really excited to be talking to more people about it. More with Candace Sampson and what she said coming up on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 105.9 The Region. I'm high, but I'm grounded. I'm sane, but I'm overwhelmed. I'm lost, but I'm hopeful, baby. And what it all comes down to. We often hear the expression, follow your dreams, but many of us only talk the talk. My next guest walks it, or should I say catwalks it. Shiva Lindsay is a fashion designer currently residing in Grand Bay, Westfield, Canada. Shiva was trained in garment design and construction at New Brunswick College of Craft and Design in Fredericton, and then continued on to Humber College in Toronto to study fashion marketing. Shiva recently debuted her new collection, Lost in a Daydream, at the Fashion Art Toronto, and joins me today to discuss her rising star in the fashion industry. Welcome to the show, Shiva. Thanks so much for having me. I have to tell you, I'm absolutely obsessed with your designs. They are girly and glam, and I just cannot stop looking at them. Uh, where, do you, where do you draw your inspiration from? Um, I guess those words that you just said, um, girly, and I love um, like making women feel sexy in their outfits. So those sort of things. Um, I don't know. I, do, I guess I just sort of always have these ideas in my head. And when I start creating, they just start coming out. <laughs> so when did you first sort of, I guess, hone in on that you wanted to be a fashion designer? I was quite young. Um, I think I was just in middle school when I kind of announced it to my family that I wanted to be a designer. And um, there is some of that in my background, not necessarily fashion designer, but um, my grandmother was a tailor. So I did learn to sew quite young. Um, and then when I first started high school, I like immediately started searching, like, where can I go to university to study this? Like, I really knew that was what I wanted to do. So there was really no question. <laughs> Were you making your own clothes for the longest time and, and making it for your friends and family as well? I was, yeah. So all of the different, you know, high school formals, I always made my own dresses. Um, me and my best friend were Romy and Michelle from Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion for Halloween one year. Um, and we made those dresses. So that was really fun. Um, but yeah, any opportunity I had to be creating, I was I was doing it. Now, since you've graduated, obviously, you've opened your own um, business, you're, you're, you're in fashion shows, and you're sort of exploding on the scene in popularity. Where, what's next for you? Um, I just kind of want to keep growing. I guess what I always say to people is that you there's no one clear path in this industry. Like, you really just kind of have to take it as it comes. And 
Um, I, I mean, a few years ago, I would never have imagined that I just would have shown a collection in Toronto on a Toronto runway. So um, just taking it one step at a time and saying yes to things and then, you know, figuring it out as you go. That's kind of my motto. Currently, you have bridesmaids dresses, evening wear, and it looks to be sort of a dressier version of daytime. Do you have any plans to go into more casual wear? Um, I do a touch of it, but um, I'm somebody that always likes to be dressed up. So my idea of casual is probably a little more maybe elevated than some people. Okay. That being said, I definitely have days where I wear sweatpants and stuff. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I wear, you know, um, the more casual ones I would call like my, our wrap top dresses. They're really um, nice and like easy to, to transition from like daytime to nighttime. So that would be one of our more casual pieces. And have you been surprised, you know, has there been anybody that you've seen wearing your clothes that you've, you've kind of shouted out and screamed, oh my gosh, that's mine? Oh my gosh, yes. Funny you ask that. So last year at this time, actually, I um, we were having like a family barbecue and I opened my phone and I was like, what is all of, all of these notifications? This is nuts. And I was scrolling through and then I clicked and um, it was Sangeeta Patel from Entertainment Tonight Canada wearing my dress. So that was like an incredible feeling. Um, and then I messaged her and she said, just so you know, it's going to be in Hello Magazine. Um, and then it was a couple of weeks later, my husband and I were in the grocery store checkout and we picked up this magazine and flipped it open and there was my dress like it was an incredible feeling I couldn't believe it so how does it work then do people order do you do custom design work or do you have like a brick and mortar or you know could they just order online size wise yeah, everything is custom made. So a lot of people say that, you know, they've ordered from online and haven't had good experiences because, you know, they need to go get alterations after. But everything I do is custom fit. So you can go to my website and order and then you'll receive like this uh, measurement guide and everything. And everything is made to exactly your measurement. So there's no need to worry about any of that. And it all happens online. Um, I do st sell in some stores, but it's mainly like our accessories and things like that the dresses are mainly on our website. All right. Incredible. Uh, I am obsessed. So I hope everybody else goes and checks you out. This is obsessed. Your dresses uh, are stunning. I can't imagine anybody not feeling like a million bucks in one of them. And your prices, I have to say, I was expecting to go over and look at your prices and see these really expensive, expensive haute couture uh, out of this world pricing, but you are quite reasonable for really beautifully designed clothing. So kudos to you. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I think it's important um, to recognize that like when you're investing in a piece, it doesn't necessarily have to be super expensive. Um, it's nice to, you know, buy things that you feel good in. And maybe they cost a little more than maybe a fast fashion piece, but there's something that fits you well, and they're going to last for a long time. All right. Thank you so much for joining me today, Shiva. I want people to be able to find you, find your clothes, go order something pretty. Uh, where can they do that? They can do that on my website at shivalindsay.com. They can also find me on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. All right. Incredible. We're going to put all the links up uh, in the liner notes of the show when it goes up on podcast. Thanks so much for joining me today.
Thank you so much for having me. That's it for What She Said this week. Stay up to date with our newsletter by signing up at whatshesaidtalk.com and be sure to follow on social at What She Said Talk on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for videos of these interviews and more. You can also catch me on TikTok at Candace Said. Finally, be sure to subscribe to What She Said with Candace Sampson on Apple and Spotify to catch past episodes and extended podcasts. I'll be back next week with another What She Said on 105.9 The Region. Previous episodes of What She Said on 1059theregion.com.